It's Fully Threaded Radio, episode 161. I am Coach, and I'm here with a couple of my friends from the Tough Mudder Pro Team, Hunter and Corinna. We're in front of electroshock therapy. Now, I have a couple tips for you before we complete this obstacle. Number one, we're just going to get psyched up. Number two, we're going to link arms with our friends. Number three, we're going to keep our nice pace throughout this whole thing, keep on moving. And number four, you better look out for them pesky hay bales. Let's do this. All right, I have a few fun facts about this fantastic obstacle. Number one, it came to the Tough Butter scene in 2011. Number two, it's 800 square feet of electrical madness. That's 10,000 volts that are gonna come right through you. And number three, we have two rows of hay bales to make you stumble throughout. Pretty exciting. It's time for Fully Threaded Radio. It is Fully Threaded Radio, voice of the FCH Sourcing Network. Yes, it's another odyssey along the infinite helix that is the fastener industry. And this is the talk radio podcast that gives you a view of each exciting torque-induced turn. Thanks for clicking in. Hi, everyone. Eric Dudas with you. And the co-host of Fully Threaded, who is almost always with us for these openings, is not here at the moment. He's usually Brian Musker. Well, he still is Brian Musker, but he's not here right now. I'll explain that shortly. Kind of get a lonely feeling when I say that, but hey, you're here, I'm here, and it's episode 161 of the podcast. We're publishing this one on February 18th, 2021, and that still has a strange sound to me, but this is where we are, and it's colder than a well digger's ass in the Klondike across much of the country. Hopefully, you're making the best of it. We don't like to dwell too long on the obvious here on the show But parts of the fastener industry have been affected. Places like Texas, for example, where the wind turbines froze solid and added to the misery. A lot of delayed shipments is the point. The fastener industry has been impacted, so it is fastener-related. I guess some people were thinking they'd help prevent the rolling blackouts, and I guess the frozen wind turbines aren't uh, proving to be that great of a viable alternative energy source. Oh, well, even in Texas, who would have thought? (laughs) Some disruptions are clearly not weather-related, though, such as the chaos at the ports, which is continuing. That's an ongoing theme here on the podcast. And uh, let's see, the lovely and talented Lynn Dempsey shot me a link. This is a video. comes from a site called American Shipper Daily, and it's an aerial view of the backup at the Long Beach ports. And it's just unbelievable. Frankly, there's no other way to say it. Get out to American Shipper Daily, or I'm sure there are photos of this all over the place. But you know what I'm saying, be it weather, be it port congestion, or any one of a number of things, there's a lot to discuss on the podcast today. On today's feature segment, we're glad to have a returning guest. He's the new president of the MWFA. He's also, I believe, a national spokesperson for the Argyle Action Committee. He's GH3, George Hunt III, from Brighton Best. He's got a lot to share during this conversation, including how the aforementioned cargo turmoil is impacting distributors. 
Plus, he's working with Bob GQ Baird to make the Fastener Industry Tough Mudder event a huge success this summer. And Brian was here for that conversation. So those of you who are already missing our Texas friend don't have to wait too long. And he drops kind of a large bomb at the top of this segment. I really wasn't expecting him to do that, but I think you'll be glad to hear Brian's news. That's all coming up on today's feature. We'll kick the episode off with a conversation with Becky McMurrow of Worth Industry North America. She's VP of Marketing and Business Transformation, and she has word on an all-new digital media endeavor that will be launching very soon. It's called Worth Knowing. Looks like a very exciting new video series featuring a couple of guys from Worth who really know their stuff. So there's more company out there on the Fastener Media landscape. Welcome aboard. Also, a big surprise here, Worth just announced another mega acquisition. If you haven't caught this one yet, Becky's got details for us. On the Fastener News Report, McNulty talks to G.L. Hewitt President Tim O'Keefe. They run down the latest Fastener Distributor Index numbers. Also, don't miss Mike today because he does another great back page report with another one of his famous thread pills. And then we wind his segment down with a new country track by lonesome Tommy O'Keefe. Yes, he's the son of Tim O'Keefe. And I'll tell you, the kid ain't bad. And if you like what you hear, I'm going to play this tune in its entirety at the end of the show today. So stick around. Tommy O'Keefe's getting tons of plays out there on Spotify with this new track. So it's really great to share this with the industry. And of course, Tim's very proud. Brian is not here, but Carmen Vertulo most certainly is. This time on the Fastener Training Minute, he'll be speaking about stainless steel and oxidation, otherwise known as rust. Why does this happen? It's not supposed to. Well, Carmen knows why, of course. That's the Fastener Training Minute. We're so fortunate to have Carmen on the podcast. You know, he does these training minutes off the cuff in many cases. I ambush him on a Saturday sometimes. He'll be working around AIM Test Lab. I just call him. He drops everything and records. Amazing guy, and he'll do anything to help you out. Check out aimtestlab.com. And the Fastener Training Minute rounds out a full lineup on another great episode of Fully Threaded Radio. The title sponsors of Fully Threaded Radio are Stellfast. For service you deserve and people you trust, it's Stellfast. Brighton Best International. Tested, tried, true. Brighton Best. And Goble Fasteners. Quality the first time. Goble. Fully Threaded is also sponsored by Buckeye Fasteners. BTM Manufacturing. Eurolink Fastener Supply Service. Fastener Technology International. InSQL Software. ND Industries. Parker Fasteners, Solution Industries, 3Q Inc., Volt Industrial Plastics, and Worth Industry North America. This is just an outstanding group of companies supporting the podcast and the FCH Sourcing Network. We very much appreciate it. And Brian and I hope that everybody out there in the audience will let them know when you have the opportunity to tell them how much you appreciate it. Thanks in advance. Thanks also for listening in. Get with us anytime. The email address is ftr at fullythreaded.com. And we added a little widget to the fullythreaded.com homepage where you can now leave a voicemail for Brian and Eric. And this is a simple thing. You click on the link and drop a voicemail right onto the website. Who knows what we'll do with these things? Just testing this out might be fun. Please don't use the voicemails, though, for requesting services from FCH. 
get out to fastenersclearinghouse.com. Contact us that way, just like usual. And, uh, you know, I guess with that, this is going to sound like one of these gushy things you hear on talk radio all the time, which I hate. But uh, somebody asked us recently to put some testimonials together. And I had a chance to talk to a pretty good-sized group of FCH members, uh, scrubber clients, some of you guys who have been around for quite a while. And it's hard to believe, actually, how long we've been working with some of you. Uh, Some of you have been with FCH 15 years since we started, and a lot of the scrubber clients that we've been working with have been several years also. So that's a great thing in and of itself, but in requesting some of these testimonials, some of the wonderful things that were said, I just, I don't know, I just want to say Brian and I really appreciate it. Not very good at this again. You know, I hate these things on talk radio, but I guess what I'm leading up to is something bigger, (laughs) getting myself off the hook because in reality, I owe a few people a call back. Uh, We've got a few people who have been inquiring about getting on the podcast, uh, advertising with the podcast and some scrubber business that uh, is waiting. And, you know, these are all wonderful things. We're doing as much as we can, as fast as we can. Please be patient. We'll get with you. We're Sometimes feeling like plate spinners at the circus. So fastenersclearinghouse.com is the website. You know it as the FCH Sourcing Network. We appreciate it when you're out there. Takes a lot of plate spinners is my point. And that leads into one of the reasons Brian is not with us here is we had a couple of scrubber projects all jam up at once and... He just got overbooked and, you know, he said, hey, we can spend the morning recording, but I really have to do these couple of critical projects that are really at important stages. So I said, hey, you know what? I'll fly solo this time for a little while. Hopefully he can hop on at the end. Like I said, we've got his voice for you on the GH3 segment. It's a great one and I'll do the best I can to keep those plates spinning all by my lonesome. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Fully Threaded will return with some exceptionally entertaining and informative fasten-related conversation, so there's no need for you to feel lonely. We'll be back with Becky McMurrow immediately following this short break. Online Fastener Talk Radio. Hey, at least it kills time on long road trips. Fully Threaded Radio. Your tools, first and foremost, must be reliable, no matter what line of work you're in. They should perform consistently and be intended to make the job easier for the consumer. Ergonomically designed for reduced fatigue on the body and longer use on the job site. The Gerbil Riveting Tool Family provides this. Whether you choose from our cordless battery, manual or pneumatic hydraulic tool options, all our tools provide the optimum power and reliability needed for fatigue-free work. Our most important attribute is the assurance that our tools are reliable and provide a solid level of craftsmanship. Quality, the first time. Global Fasteners, globalfasteners.com. Stealthfast customers say it all. Tim Minter, Northern State Supply. I've been in this industry for 40 years and I can never remember 
basically when Stealthass hasn't been a part of it. They've taken care of us over the years, helped us grow. Quality outfit, quality people. This goes back to the days when Surrender and you call up to uh, Toronto and they, we ran out of some 70s jam nuts and they were basically just open in Cleveland, I believe, at the time. And president of the company took care of it and uh, got us what we needed in about three or four days and saved us from shutting down a uh, production line. And they'll bend over backwards and take care of your needs for you. It's more of a, a personal relationship with the group. Very good group of people. For service you deserve and people you trust, it's Stealthast. At Brighton Best, we continue to expand our wide range of products, including stainless steel and metric fasteners. Our family of brands include Preferred, U.S. Anchor, and Ironclad Performance Wear. BBI has been a trusted partner since 1925. With award-winning hand tools, gloves, and drywall screws, BBI is the largest master distributor of fasteners in the USA. Tested, tried, and true. We are Brighton Best. To learn more about Brighton Best, visit brightonbest.com. Hey, this is Clayton Allen from Buckeye Fasteners in Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Fully Threaded Radio. Frequent listeners to Fully Threaded Radio know that positioning fastener companies for success in this rapidly changing world is a constant theme. We keep discussing it, and the pace of change continues to accelerate. Joining us now to continue on that subject is someone who understands a lot about it. Her title at Worth Industry North America is Vice President of Marketing and Business Transformation. She's Becky McMurrow, and she's with us now. Thanks for being here, Becky. Well, Eric, thanks for having me. It's really a pleasure. Uh, yeah, I've been uh, in the faster industry just a couple years, uh, but in distribution uh, many more years. And uh, it's it's really great to uh, be on on the show. And and I'm a longtime you know listener, and you've had quite a few of my colleagues on. So it's really a pleasure to uh, be on today and to kind of talk through some really important topics we have going on in the industry. Well, glad to have you. And uh, yeah, thanks for being out there. We plan to jump right into a conversation about the digital transformation happening all around us. And scanning LinkedIn for any pertinent breaking news ahead of connecting with you, sure enough, Worth is right in the thick of the news with another huge acquisition announcement. That's right, Eric. Uh, We just recently announced the acquisition of Atlantic Fasteners. Uh, And really, uh, that helps round out our construction platform. So we have several companies that make up Worth Industry North America that are uniquely devoted to serving the construction industry. Uh, So we have uh, Worth House of Threads. We have Weinstock Brothers. uh, Worth Action Bolt recently came back into the fold. And now we have Atlantic Fasteners. And Atlantic Fasteners is really important to rounding out the uh, product assortment, uh, as well as services that we can offer the construction customers nationwide, uh, because they're not only a distributor for the construction business, they're also a manufacturer. And they manufacture key anchor bolts, which really are the initial drivers to any um, construction uh, opportunity. 
So we're really excited about having Atlantic Fasteners as part of the, the Worth Group. Uh, and uh, we, we're really excited about kicking off uh, a marketing uh, promotion campaign uh, to really talk about how our new customer-focused uh, division of, of uh, construction uh, can really help be there to support construction uh, nationwide. Well, it looks like another opportunity for you to practice your skills of applying state-of-the-art marketing strategies, that's for sure. No shortage of those around worth these days. <laughs> and thinking about the Atlantic acquisition and how Worth is executing on your strategy of providing expert supply chain solutions. In this case, within the construction services arena, you have this group of operating companies. I'm wondering what kinds of things can we expect to see from you as you digitally transform this business? Well, having Worth Action Bolt uh, come back into the Worth Industry Group uh, was part of uh, the Worth Wood Group for several years, uh, but uh, it really is uh, more suited in the industrial and construction space. And they have uh, an e-commerce platform uh, that we intend to utilize for all construction customers. Uh, so not only are we able to provide the vendor-managed inventory solutions to the construction industry with the structural fasteners, that is our bread and butter every day, we also are um, available to, uh, with the e-commerce platform, offer them uh, the ability to purchase you know, uh, tools and, and other you know, MRO safety equipment online, because we do understand that although we you know we're really focused on being there for our customers in person you know delivering fasteners every day uh, we also understand the, the need to uh, for our customers to to order online uh, and have that contactless uh, capabilities you know for ease of use so we're going to continue to invest in e-commerce platforms not only for the construction business but for our industrial customers as well we were talking a day or so ago when we booked this conversation in and you were telling me that you were launching a new YouTube channel that was going to be sort of, I guess, a video podcast of sorts, right? Is that going to be used as a device for promoting all this? I, I hope so. <laughs> Sounds exciting. Absolutely. You know, Worth, uh, the Worth Group is still uh, very much uh, under the influence of its its founder, Professor Worth, uh, who uh, is, is over 80 years old and very much involved with the business. Uh, and that's a business that he built into, you know, a very profitable business, $15 billion global fastener company. But what I love about working for Worth is its culture and and what they they stand for is to really in, inspire customers, not just sell to customers. And we're very much a selling organization, but uh, we want to make sure that uh, we we provide a well rounded offering. And uh, as a marketing guru and having built a strong marketing team at Worth over the last couple of years, uh, we really wanted to see how we could take this guiding principle of inspiring our customers uh, with and reaching our customers with education. 
you know, we, uh, we support the Fastener Institute, we uh, do Fastener Academy trainings, uh, but we really wanted to reach a, a wider audience. And, and you know, Eric, that uh, the video uh, channel, you know, YouTube has been, you know, has been a hit and, and TikTok and everyone's glued to their mobile device uh, watching videos. And so we thought, how can we reach our, our prospective customers? How do we reach our employees across uh, the U.S. Uh, in a really fun and engaging way and, and talk about uh, the brand and talk about fasteners and, and educate more people about uh, fasteners and all of the different uh, topics that we hear every day from our customers that they want to learn about? Uh, so we really kind of put our heads together and said, uh, how about uh, launching a program featuring uh, Randy Lammers, who, if you've ever had a chance to meet, he is fantastic. He's been in the industry for a really long time, and uh, he has been training uh, young engineers, and he's been in customer locations, and he's just got a lot of knowledge to share with everyone. Um, and you know, he's been doing these Fastener Academy uh, programs in person at customer locations, but he can only do about 10 of those in person a year, you know? And we said, how do we get Randy in front uh, of, of more people? And uh, we talked to him about our idea of uh, launching a YouTube program, which is really kind of a 20-minute Q&A session or, and covering a topic uh, that's kind of near and dear to our uh, our customers' hearts. Uh, for example, the, the first topic we'll be covering is all about torque and how do you measure torque in a fastener. And uh, and, and when we first approach Randy, uh, he's you know he, he's used to doing things one way uh, in person, and it took a lot of convincing uh, to uh, with with Randy to uh, to say, hey, this could be fun, and uh, you could reach new people. <laughs> Transformative. <laughs> Transformative. <laughs> well, we didn't want to scare him too much with a bunch of uh, marketing lingo, but we but we did kind of paint a picture of of how he would uh, uh, be able to uh, reach more people. And so, you know, basically we, we started taping the first couple sessions and uh, we're looking to uh, launch our, uh, this uh, YouTube channel uh, March 10th. And uh, we'll do two episodes a month and we hope to continue as, as long as we've got uh, interested viewers. Okay. Now I don't want to jump the gun on this, but is there a title for this new entity? Yeah. So is, is that yeah. is that yet to be unveiled? No, uh, I, I'm happy to share. It's called Worth Knowing. So it's all of the the topics and and uh, key points of of confusion, if you will, uh, that are worth knowing. And obviously, we we have a little play on words there with uh, the Worth brand and and Worth Knowing. So uh, that that of was course. what you know, Randy. And so it's not only Randy, but we also uh, have Aaron Keevan. He's a, a, a younger and engineer on staff uh, that those two came up with uh, the title and, you know, this is kind of their, their baby and their, their focus. And we're going to give them as much creative uh, license as, as is uh, possible within sort of the marketing and brand uh, confines. But, but yeah, they're real excited about it. And of course, we're excited to, uh, you know, bring a little bit more uh, innovation in the, in the fastener industry and, and showcase how cool it can be 
today to talk about fasteners. And I know your listeners uh, already know and, and absolutely uh, you know, respect that because uh, you've had a lot of innovative topics over the years. Oh, 100%. I think fully threaded listeners are going to be some of your best viewers because, let's face it, they're already dialed into the joys of learning about fasteners in a, on a digital platform. Sure, yeah. So we do a little bit of that around here. Now, I'm hoping that <laughs> Randy and Aaron have some hydrogen embrittlement topics that they're going to put on their list, but we can get to that down the road, I suppose. <laughs> they do. And I'm, I can't wait for that episode because, you know, not, not being really from the industry, I have a lot to learn. So I'm going to be glued to my YouTube uh, channel, <laughs> certainly as these episodes come out and continue to uh, listen to Fully Threaded Radio, of course. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Well, I've had conversations with you previously, and I'm actually surprised that you have a relatively short tenure thus far in the fastener industry. You really do know the industry pretty well, I would say, and you're certainly enthusiastic about uh, your profession marketing. And what is the background then? Where did you come from? How did you get here? Well, I guess my, I would say my background is more in, in distribution. I spent quite a bit of time at uh, Newark Electronics, part of Avnet, uh, which is a, a $7 billion uh, operation in the U.S. And that's really where you know I learned more about uh, distribution. Uh, we had a very robust e-commerce channel, multi-channel you know, approach to servicing our customer uh, in the distribution industry. Um, but I, I think, you know, if you if you look at uh, the electronics industry or, you know, the faster industry, they're they're similar in that uh, they service manufacturing. And I also really started my career in marketing uh, in the manufacturing industry. I, I, I worked for a home textile manufacturing, a startup. Uh, in, uh, right outside of Chicago for several years. And then I did um, more of a industrial knob manufacturing, part of a large uh, manufacturing group. Um, but, you know, once you understand manufacturing, you understand the customer working on the other side in distribution really helps you be a, a better marketer because you understand what issues manufacturing faces. And it's really, you know, they're always looking to save costs. They're always looking to, you know, improve their profitability and, and be more lean. And, you know, it's really kind of a, a good fit uh, when, when you know the customers uh, makes it a little bit easier. Right. Well, you don't seem to have lost your stride coming to Worth because I've noticed, and I think a lot of people have noticed that, well, let's just say in the last recent while, there's been a lot coming out that's very impressive and it's definitely on an uptick, put it that way. Well, I appreciate that. You know, I I have a great team and it's really been exciting to build a, a marketing, a supplier marketing team too at, at Worth and do some, like I said, innovative things. Uh, I'm really fortunate that I work for a business that appreciates uh, innovation that allows us to take risks. And, you know, last year we did the first industry, the first in the industry's uh, uh, virtual supplier day. And uh, right. our, yeah, by uh, Sarah McDaniel, who uh, came up with that idea, 
uh, ran it by me and I said, I think it's great. Let's do it. She's like, well, it's never really been done before and I'm not really sure how it's going to work out. And I said, well, you know what? We got to try it. And and that's uh, kind of the direction I always take with my team, you know, to push the envelope, you know, fail, fail fast. Uh, don't be afraid of failing. And when you kind of create that environment in the team, they're always willing to come up with really, really crazy ideas. And some of them work and some of them don't work. But, you know, I'm certainly uh, pleased with the way that the virtual supplier day came out. Uh, it was great for our team to meet with our different suppliers. And what, what was really, you know, interesting about that, that we didn't think about in, in the initial planning was it, it gave us more opportunity for uh, different teams in the Worth uh, group to meet with our suppliers and chat with them. Uh, because certainly, you know, we, we can't fly everyone right to one location, you know, even pre-pandemic, the costs are just too high for everyone to meet face-to-face. But we had our international colleagues join in. We had uh, different groups like our uh, business development specialists right out of college. They got a chance to meet with suppliers. So it was a really unique and really cost-effective way to meet with our suppliers. And, you know, once we once everyone got over the technology uh, hump <laughs> when we first uh, launched it that day, uh, I think people, you know, sort of sat back and said, hey, this this isn't that bad. I think we can. I think we can do that. Not that it replaces uh, face-to-face interaction, but you know, for the time being, it was it was a good solution, and I'm glad we did it. Even though, you know, I'll be I'll be honest, the team was very stressed out about uh, making it work. So, so I'm, I'm glad I'm glad it turned out. Right. Well, the weirdness of the tech is kind of offset a little bit by all the participants' willingness, I think, to accept that. And then they're also there. They're prepared to have some rapid-fire, high-bandwidth interaction. Yeah. So but that makes it nice. What, what was the biggest takeaway from it that you learned? I mean, wh- where, where did you pick up the biggest amount of information to improve the next one? I think probably doing a trial run with the suppliers uh, would have been helpful if that, I, I don't think it was really offered through the platform, uh, but, you know, we, we did a lot of planning up front, uh, making sure that all of the collateral like videos were loaded properly and logos were, were loaded properly, uh, but, you know, and, and had, uh, you know, a, a walkthrough of, of what they were supposed to do. But, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, you're, it's sometimes it's uh, anything new with technology, you're going to run into some issues. Uh, so, you know, whether it is some, you know, some had bandwidth issues or had a hard time getting some of the videos to work. Uh, it always helps if you've done it once before. So I, I definitely think that uh, the sec- the next time we do it, of course, I'm, you know, I'm praying that this pandemic will be over as soon as possible. We can go back to face to face interactions. But, you know, if not, we'll be we'll be ready and our suppliers will be ready and more prepared, um, feeling more comfortable, I should say, using the technology, uh, using their own avatar and probably even more excited about, uh, you know, creating an avatar to do the supplier day. So uh, certainly learned a lot. I think everyone learned a lot. Uh, and and the other thing that, that we learned that suppliers liked was 
with the digital platform, you get a lot of data. And that's really critical, right? Because traditional trade shows, you spend a ton of money bringing people together. And that networking, you know, that networking is is really hard to qualify, right? It's important. We all know it's important. But when you get the bill at the end of the trade show and it's $150,000 and you have a couple leads, you're like, ooh, was that worth it? Because you really can't quantify that. And, you know, while everyone's looking for cost savings, it's you have to justify every every dollar. Well, the data out of the virtual trade show is really robust. So we know who downloaded a video, who uh, looked at a uh, sales presentation, who logged on, who spent time at each booth. And we provided that all to our suppliers after the event. So they could really understand uh, which area of the worth group, and given that we're a, a pretty large uh, group, you know, which areas were interested in which part of their product line and who they should follow up with, because all of that data was was provided to them. So that was kind of, that was a good, uh, that was really a good positive uh, feeling from the uh from the suppliers after the event, like, wow, this was time well spent because I have a lot of actionable data coming out of the show. Oh, yeah, that's huge. That kind of business intel, especially digitally, like you have it, that's that's big. And it also minimizes the chance that you'll accidentally lose your folder of very precious leads at a bar in Vegas somehow, yeah. you know. Not exactly. that that's happened recently, yeah. you know, but... <laughs> Very true. Well, speaking speaking is sort of the anti-planner and the off-the-cuff artist uh, that I am. I could tell you, going back a few moments, what you said, uh, rehearsal and pre-planning, that sort of a thing, it, it, it never hurts. Uh, so sure. I, I think that's probably another great takeaway. Yeah. Well, uh, I tell you, another thing that I bet you learned is that your users or your attendees figured out ways to use the technology that you weren't expecting. And I'll tell you, we're constantly amazed by that at FCH when we see inquiries and source finders flying around and the information that companies pass back and forth. It's almost like it's not an RFQ or an inquiry. It's more like a, a, tr- a transaction on a social media platform. You know, People, they use technology in ways that you don't expect. Yeah, I I agree. And, you know, certainly companies overall and and Worth is also in, in this in this boat. We need to do a better job nurturing the leads that we spend so much money to get, right? So whether it's a lead through Fastener Clearinghouse, you know, what what you provide, um, what uh, what we do in our marketing activities when we collect information, you know, via the web or at a virtual trade show or in, in-person trade show, I do think putting together a better process of uh, understanding who those leads are, what they, what we should do, how we should segment them, and what resources we can put into the different segmented leads uh, to get our, our most bang for our buck, right? And and I think you know any sort of you know digital efforts need to take into consideration how how we transform leads into actual customers and what is that process. 
um, because you can't keep you know spending money on leads if you're not going to do anything. But there are so many ways to collect leads and 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 find new new business. Um, it's it's more of an overwhelming of the data that you need to kind of think about these days uh, than actual you know collecting more data. Uh, we all we all see data all over the place, but is it actionable? What are you doing with it? And and is it the right uh, activities driving it? Yes, the many nebulous mysteries of the sales funnel. I could see you've got your arms around that, Becky. We're we're trying. <laughs> well, I've got a sort of a hot take question for you, dovetailing on this idea about people using these various platforms, sort of like social. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're probably very aware that people are switching their social media platforms in droves these days, right? So it's happening for a variety of reasons, but thousands of users profess that they're either closing or leaving their accounts. And I'm talking about like the majors, right? Facebook, Twitter, so forth. And they're going elsewhere or, you know, just like sulking about it, I guess. So (laughs) question for you, what do you think the impact of this trend is going to be on us as marketers in the fastener industry, if any? It's a big shakeup. Well, to be honest, I, I don't view it as a permanent uh, thing. So I think we're all given the, you know, everything we're facing these days. Uh, I think we're not only do we have Zoom fatigue, but we have overall digital fatigue. And uh, I, I understand that, you know, as a consumer that, you know, I'm bombarded with far too many emails and you also get tired of, you know, the standard social networks. Uh, and sometimes you need to take a break. And I, I know myself or, you know, I have colleagues that have just said, you know what, I'm taking a break for a little bit from Facebook or I'm taking a break from LinkedIn. Uh, and, and you need sort of to reset and, and step away. Uh, but I don't think it's a trend, meaning that everyone's going to step away forever, right? Because we're still very social human beings and we need to connect. And uh, if we continue, you know, as we continue through this pandemic, we, you know, even though we need breaks, we're going to go back to uh, trying to find connections. But I will say, you know, those businesses, whether it's consumer business or it's a B2B business, we do have to be more innovative and in, uh, in the social arena. You know, you can't just keep putting out the same social post on, you know, what new product you're coming out with. You know, that's, you get fatigue, viewer fatigue, you know, a lot. Exactly. It's like every time I go on to LinkedIn, you know, boom, there's worth another acquisition. You know, it gets boring. <laughs> well, I, I got to tell you, working through the, you know, the operational aspects of those uh, acquisitions are really, really tough. So when we finally get to the fact that, you know, we, we are acquiring and we're, inter- and we're integrating and we're expanding, I get pretty exciting. Now, I understand that, you know, if you keep reading those, you might get a little fatigued. But, you know, that's where we certainly need, do need to vary our, our content. And, and I, I think it's really important to add humor into our social posts, even if as uh, a, you know, faster company and, you know, a faster company that's been around for over 75 years, uh, because you still need to laugh every day and you need to have a positive outlook. And generally humor does that. 
Um, now we're not going to get too crazy because, you know, we're still part of a really strong uh, family brand that's fairly conservative. But I think I think we could all use a little bit a little bit more humor in our lives. So uh, I'm hoping that you'll find our social posts uh, continuing to be engaging and maybe a little funny and uh, like our new YouTube program, uh, you know, so that you won't get fatigued and or even if you need to take a break, you you come back. So that's that's my hope. We're not expecting those kinds of posts to end anytime soon. And I'm looking forward to meeting Randy and Aaron. You gave me an idea. I'll talk to you about it offline. Ooh, exciting. Okay. You know, one other thing, I uh, sent an email over to Worst CEO Dan Hill mm-hmm. a while back asking him to please not buy any more FCH members, you know, but <laughs> that message must have wound up in his spam box. So if you could pass the request along. <laughs> I certainly will, but uh, I I think you've had enough interactions with him to know that uh, he kind of <laughs> you know marches to the own uh, you know his own beat of the drum. So uh, he'll 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 probably keep continuing to uh, you know grow the business and and make sure that Worth is around for a really long time. Yes, I'm, I think we're counting on that. Well, before you take off, Becky, I'd like to mention that while I was scanning LinkedIn ahead of our conversation, I also saw a post, uh, oh, this was yesterday, announcing Worth is once again a sustaining sponsor of the Fastener Training Institute. And that's very thematic, among other things, because that support is enabling the Training Institute really to develop a much-needed virtual training platform. So I know the industry appreciates it, and I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Yes, you know we're we're very um, appreciative of you know what you do, what the Faster Training Institute does. Uh, you know the the different platforms, uh, whether it be the the your podcasts or uh, the more uh, formal trainings through Faster Training Institute, uh, really help educate our team, and they really appreciate the partnership and and seeing that worth. Uh, make sure that that they're investing in education, educating not only their employees but the industry as a whole, right? Because you know we're we're in this together, and we we appreciate all of the efforts. We like to invest in education, and yeah, we're going to continue as long as we can with uh, Faster Training Institute and all of the other great uh, education opportunities in in the industry because it is important and we all want to grow uh, in our career. We all want to grow professionally and, and personally, and, and we're going to continue to invest in that. We've been speaking with Becky McMurrow. She's Vice President of Marketing and Business Transformation at Worth Industry North America. And Becky, you clearly have an extremely full to-do list, so I really appreciate you taking the time today. Eric, uh, pleasure's all mine. I really appreciate the time. Stay with us, everyone. McNulty's up next with the amazing results of the Fastener Distributor Index numbers from January. It's fully threaded.
Goebel Fasteners presents the Golok Structural Interlocking Blind Rivet. Available in aluminum, steel and stainless steel with diameters 3 16th of an inch, quarter of an inch and 3 8 of an inch. The Golok is one of the most versatile and common style of structural rivets on the market today. Paired with the AirPower 3 pneumatic tool, this combination proves efficiently robust for truck and trailer applications where the need for heavy duty fasteners is required. With its high strength features, it is clear why the Golok is the best performing structural blind rivet in the market today. Global Fasteners. Quality the first time. GlobalFasteners.com. Parker Fasteners is your premier cold heading manufacturer, forging the future with precision and quality as our top priority. When you think of domestically produced sockets and tamper-proof screws from alloy and stainless, including A286, think Parker Fasteners. Forge the future with Parker Fasteners. Visit Parker Fasteners online today at parkerfasteners.com. Jake Valdez Davis with PTM Manufacturing here, and boy, did we miss sharing our Ubel Blend coffee with everyone this past year. Our roasters at Elos Coffee are on standby, and we are looking forward to connecting over some Ubel Blend coffee real soon. PTM Manufacturing is thankful for your continued support and wishes all of you continued success in 2021. PTM Manufacturing, a commitment to service. Components, you're listening to Fully Threaded Radio. Hello, thread lovers. Welcome back to more of this Fastener Fandango we call Fully Threaded. It's the new segment, and a lot of people really enjoy this part of the podcast. We're pleased to bring it to you. Volt Industrial Plastics sponsors the Fastener News Report each month. They're makers of the world's finest plastic fasteners, of course. couple of items before we toss it over to McNulty. This time he'll be speaking with Tim O'Keefe on the FDI. Got a call from Bob Chiracosta over there at Fastener Fair USA. I hope you all know that Fastener Fair, after being postponed, canceled, postponed, it's now sitting at November 9th and 10th at the Huntington Convention Center, Cleveland, Ohio. Bob was wanting to know, hey, you figure this is going to cause a problem because what they did over there at Reed, the operators of Fastener Fairs, they doubled up on the dates. You know, they got caught in the pinch that everyone else did with trying to get these shows in. And so they're all stacked up at the end of the year now, including the largest fastener show. I think it's still the largest one on the planet. That's the Stuttgart show. And as it turns out, that's happening also November 9th and 10th. Now, his question, I think it was almost self-answering, but they pretty much came to the conclusion that there's not going to be a problem with conflicting schedules because let's face it, nobody's expecting international travel to really bounce back quite that quickly. So... Fastener Fair USA in Cleveland will be happening during the same time period Fastener Fair Stuttgart's going on. I know where I'll be. (laughs) Hope to see you out there. And uh, Brian and I actually have a jump this time around because we've got our booth picked out. It's 224 right next to your link Fastener Supply Service. So if that works out, we'll see you there. Hope it does. 
Get out the fastenerfairusa.com for details on that one. Another event you should all be aware of, it's coming up just around the corner, actually. We talked about this one last time. It's the NFDA Virtual Conference and Executive Sales Planning Sessions. This is open to all members of the fastener industry, so you've probably never had a better opportunity to mingle with the NFDA, try it on for size, meet some new people. And the ESPS sessions are really the way to do that. It's a way to sit down in a room with suppliers and really get to know them. This, of course, is happening in a virtual setting this time around. It's one of the most popular things that the NFDA does, actually. And again, they're welcoming non-NFDA members. So plug in over at nfda-fastener.org and you will notice if you look down the schedule of events... Day one, that's March 3rd at about uh, 3.30 or so. Oh no, 3.45, there's going to be a panel discussion that I will be moderating. Rich Megliola of Vertex, Melissa Patel of Field, and Mark Strandquist from Optimus will be on board for that. There's a lot of other great things happening. And then, of course, the next day, March 4th, are those ESPS sessions. Well worth your time. While I'm speaking here, I'm getting a couple of messages from (laughs) some people that I know in Texas. You know, we've been doing an affiliate project, and we've got a guy working for us down there in Texas. I'm not exactly sure where he is, but all I know is he's in the middle of these rolling blackouts because things keep getting delayed. You can't get a hold of him, and then all of a sudden he'll pop up, and he's apologizing profusely. But let's face it, there's not much he can do. They're sitting there in the dark in a lot of cases and it's yeah, I mean it's who who could believe this almost like they predicted it you know this uh, dark winter thing almost like there's an agenda happening rolling out here in the year 2021 hmm it's looking more like a cross between Atlas Shrugged and Dr. Shivago down there hang tough longhorns and I know they will and one other item before we toss it over to McNulty looking at the latest distributor link magazine prepping up for today's podcast. Stealthfast has kind of an unusual full-page ad. It's on page 29. I don't recall ever seeing one come out of Stealthfast like this. Headline is, what is a master distributor? They say, today, when you need domestic inch or metric fasteners and you're not connected directly to Nucor, Stellfast is a part of Linfast Solutions Group, is your distributor's distributor for those Nucor domestic products. Stellfast maintains an average of 1,500 tons of Nucor stock ready for you to draw from. Uh, Stellfast already drops ships for lots of their distributors, and there's no reason they can't do it for you too. Contact your Stellfast representative for quotes and orders. It's Stellfast. Of course, they're now part of the Linfast Solutions Group, and they're one of the great title sponsors of Fully Threaded Radio, as are Brighton Best International and Goble Fasteners. We say it all the time, but it's true. They do a lot to bring you the podcast and everything else Brian and I try to bring to the fastener industry. I mentioned it at the top of the episode today, but don't forget we're going to close out this Fastener News Report and then the podcast itself with a really great country tune produced by Tommy O'Keefe. That's Tim O'Keefe's Marlboro Red Smoking Sun. <laughs> I don't know if he actually smokes them, but he sings about it. So make sure you listen to the entirety of today's report. I think you'll get a kick out of that. Thanks for listening, everyone. Here's McNulty.
Thanks, Eric and Brian. This is Mike McNulty from Fastener Technology International Magazine, bringing you the Fastener News Report, which is sponsored by Volt Industrial Plastics, makers of the world's finest plastic fasteners. Football games in America have come to an end until late summer. I would like to tip my hat to the players, coaches, and fans at the professional, college, and high school levels for their efforts to navigate the pandemic without having to wear double masks, threaten to go on strike, or lecture the general public about science, danger, or data. Now let's see what baseball has in store for us this spring, other than cardboard cutouts of fans and empty seats and fake crowd noise. But until then, I am still focused on fasteners and ready to deliver today's fastener news report. In this episode, Tim O'Keefe, Chief Executive Officer of GL Hewitt, joins us to reveal the latest results of the Fastener Distributor Index, also known as the FDI. Also in today's broadcast, we have our top story on Worth Industry North America, as well as newsmaker headlines from Dyson, Bolton, KMAX, Brighton Best International, TriFast, Bassard, and the Fastener Fairs. On the back page report, we're going to talk about a helpful collaboration between government, higher education, and the Fastener industry. We'll get to all of that and the latest FDI results right after this. There's a reason Volt Industrial Plastics is an industry leader in plastic clip, clamp, and custom fastener manufacturing. With over 100 million parts in stock that can be shipped the same day, Volt has some of the fastest lead times in the industry. Volt can do color. We have the capability of molding over 120 different materials and can color match for specific applications. You need it? We can build it. At Volt, we have state-of-the-art technology to build prototypes to customer specs. And although some companies provide similar products, we offer customer service that's second to none, setting us apart from our competition. And now available, Volt's new light-duty cable clamps. With maximum diameters ranging from 3 16ths to a half inch, these clamps are ideal for hard-to-reach spaces, electronics, and finish work. They prevent corrosion with metal tubing, and with plastic tubing, they won't bind or warp, preventing leaks while maintaining the flow of liquids. Volt Industrial Plastics, the finest, fastest plastic fasteners in the world. Visit us at voltplastics.com. Are you tired of empty promises from software vendors? Are you paying for support that you're not receiving? Is it time for another paid upgrade? There is a solution. InSQL delivers quality software designed for the fastener industry at an affordable price with industry-leading support. Quality software, affordable pricing, industry-leading support. Only InSQL can deliver all three. www.inxsql.com Solution Man, Ken. Solution Man, you're my fastener hero. Just doing my job, ma'am. S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N, S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N. Solution Industry. We are Solution. The seasonally adjusted fastener distributor index for January 2021 came in at 57.7, moderating slightly from December's very strong reading of 62.6, but still showing nice growth. 
Fastener Distributor Index data is collected and analyzed by the FCH Sourcing Network, the National Fastener Distributors Association, and Baird. The FDI seeks to identify demand, pricing, and outlook trends within the American fastener distribution industry. To get some insights on these results, we talked to Tim O'Keefe, Chief Executive Officer of GL Hewitt. Hi, Tim. Thanks for joining us on the Fastener News Report. Thanks for asking me. It's good to have you back on the show. It's been uh, last time you were here was in July, so a lot's lot happened. Time. <laughs> lots happened since July 2020, and uh, uh, the FDI results are pretty pretty solid, but moderating a bit. Uh, what do you think about the latest uh, latest results? Well, we we benchmarked the FDI to uh, the sales uh, reports for Fastall Granger and MSC, along with industrial production and our own sales and. When you when you look at that chart, the FDI is a is a sentimental chart, and so it usually is a little above or a little below what appears to be the reality of a consensus of the numbers reported you know by peers. I would say though, if you talk to people in the industry, everyone is I think taken aback somewhat by how strong a business is, and the kind of consistent theories I hear are that. Uh, there's a feeling out there that, that people have taken the money they were spending on airlines, hotels, trips, that sort of thing, and they're buying lawnmowers and weed eaters and ATVs and boats, and those all go on trailers. They're building houses. And so, you know, business is good out there in the fast industry right now, and I think the FDI reflects that. Yeah, I think uh, I think even in the last episode, uh, Brian and Eric were alluding to, you know, things being different in the industry than they seem to be in the rest of the world. So, so yeah, these numbers are pretty solid. Um, one of the, the comments that I picked up on the, in the Baird, Baird does the uh, PDF report every month with these results. And in the analysis, it said, quote, the seasonally adjusted January FDI slightly moderated versus December, but this was entirely due to the seasonal adjustment factor, which sl- slightly adjusted the FDI downward, as January is typically a very strong month relative to seasonal expectations. So I guess that means that the numbers are actually a little bit better than the 57.7 because of the seasonal adjustment. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. You know, what will be interesting as we move forward is with the supply chain being so stressed, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, delays at the ports, a lot of increased costs in in the global transport side of things, and then internally here inside the United States, trucking costs you know going up a little harder to uh, have uh, get freight. We had a recent incident where we had a container that had to sit for extra days because there just wasn't enough drivers uh, to pick the piggyback up and and take it to us. So you know how you know how will that start to to set in and affect all this along with all the distractions from shortages in commodities and the commodity prices. Yeah, well, I think I think you're, you're tapping into something that was definitely on the mind of all the uh, all the respondents. We'll jump over to the the comments part of the FDI. It said that transportation issues and price inflation were the overwhelming themes of respondents' commentary, and it said nearly every comment touched on the current logistics and transportation issues, like you've mentioned. Um, yeah, here's a couple. Here's a couple quotes. Uh, somebody said, logistics and transportation are a mess. Steel prices are out of control and supply is limited. Automotive customer schedules are erratic due to supply chain pressures and the inability to get everything needed. And the Lunar New Year starts soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it's making kind of a, you know, for an erratic supply chain and uh, also putting some pressure on pricing too, I think. You've seen that as well? Yeah, it, it definitely is. And, and you know, the thing with the pricing is there's obviously the accounting side of margin squeeze inside your business. 
but there's also the distracting behaviors where you know suddenly parts of your organization have to shift their focus to work on negotiating you know price increases with customers negotiating cost increases with suppliers and i think the whole freight and soft cost part of this adds another layer of complexity you know usually it's just one or the other this is a situation where it's both and so there's a lot of balls in the air you know for for an organization and it's it's very distracting and i think there's going to be a lot of margin pressure out there for everybody hmm. Yeah, let's see. We had another comment. Um, steel crisis and crisis on the West Coast are very concerning. Many seem forecasting logistic headwinds to persist to at least the first half of the year. You think it's going to going to take uh, several more months to get everything straightened out? It seems that way. I, I think a lot of that, too, is going to depend on the economy. There's a lot of talk about possibly uh, passing another stimulus package. <laughs> so it's, right. with these- Another $2 trillion. Well, yeah, with the health of the population, if the if the virus starts to subside and people feel better, they're probably going to spend even more money than what they've been spending, and they're going to have a stimulus another stimulus check in their hands. And so, I think the production side of things could continue to escalate. And if that happens, I think these issues could go you know, to the end of the year. Wow. Uh, as of right now, mid year feels about right, but you throw on some more gas on the fire, and that fire gets a little hotter. Right. And it wouldn't be the first, I mean, last year taught us that uh, things can last longer than you expect. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I never believed for one second, though, that this virus would be subsided by fall, like there was some talk. Mm -hmm. Internally inside our business, we talked about end of 2021. We'll be dealing with this till the end of 2021 on some basis. Yeah. There's a lot of people that said 2022 will be the, when we get back to normal, so... And speaking of international, I saw an article last week, but there's a lot of talk that international travel will not return to any degree of normalcy until 2024. Wow. So it's crazy. Well, I think uh, let's let's jump over to the forward-looking indicator and looking forward stuff, which kind of ties into the, you know, this, how soon things are going to get resolved. But um, the the forward-looking indicator actually went up this month to 66.7, which is the eighth straight month of positive outlook. And... uh, the percentages, though, went moderated a little bit. Last time, 79% of people thought things would be better six months down the road. This time, it was only 69%, which is a little bit of a moderation, which is probably from these these transportation and price inflation issues, as well as maybe the, the virus not getting under control as quickly as we would, would like it to be. Yeah, that, that forward indicator seems to me to reinforce what you were saying earlier about the Baird analysts on adjusting seasonally the actual January, you know, the sentiment is greater than what was actually reported in January. And, and that forward indicator would seem to indicate that to me. And I would agree that I think business is still very strong from a reality standpoint, but people are worried about it phasing out because they, they can't get product or your pricing is going up so much that it becomes untenable. Yeah, it'll be a challenging, uh, challenging year to keep up with the demand. The, uh, the the sales number in January came back down to earth. It was fifty nine point seven versus December had the astounding number, the highest one I've seen of ninety point zero. Yeah. <laughs> so that yep. came. I mean, sixty still, you know, fifty nine, sixty still a pretty good number, but it's come back down to earth. And then pricing and employment were up again, and uh, inventories were mixed. So I think uh, people are bringing workers if they can bring in, bring them on on staff, and they're trying to get extra price out of uh, their customers. Well, I think that reflects too another inflationary input. Uh, you know, we we have three 
distribution locations. And we're seeing wage inflation in all three from competition from other you know, mm. key employers. We've got Amazon down, down here in Phoenix. We've got FedEx in Memphis. And then there's been quite a bit of local manufacturing addition in North Central Kansas that you know, we're, we're seeing a lot more competition out there for entry-level operations plant type of personnel. Yeah, that's definitely a lot, lot going on in the distributing at the final uh, 100 feet to your porch. <laughs> yes. Your, your doorstep. Yeah, somebody's <laughs> got to pick the order once it's inside your warehouse. Right, right, and get it get it distributed. I mean, it's funny, you know, walk, you know, in this pandemic, spend a lot more time walking around than we did in the, the past. And now the, you know, the used to be, and I have a dog, and it used to be that, you know, he knew the um, the look of the mailman and the look of the mail meal delivery person's trucks, but now he recognizes UPS trucks and Amazon trucks and doesn't like any of them. <laughs> well, some of them, if you notice, uh, you see a lot more U-Hauls because there's so much surge right. in boxes that, you know, some of the Amazon and even FedEx guys are using, they're renting U-Hauls to yeah, get the boxes yeah, outsourcing. Out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, let's finish up with some, we had some comments on, on sales numbers here. We said, um, Somebody said our January sales were 22% higher than January 2020 and 21.5% higher than January 2019 following a very good December, which kind of reflects what you were saying about business being way better than normal, surprisingly. Yeah, I do feel that last year at this time, it wasn't recessionary, but you could feel that the accelerator was lifting even before uh, the pandemic and then, you know, by I think it was mid-February, there was a lot of word about the pandemic, at least overseas in Wuhan, for example. And then it started to, to really hit the numbers in March. I think as we get through March and April and May with the FDI and similar sentimental indexes like that, it's going to be really hard for people to gauge where they're really at because it was such a drop during that time a year ago. Right. Yeah, that's true. Hopefully we're not going to see that one ever again. Well, yeah. Let's let's hope you know. Let's hope we we lick this uh, this virus and it doesn't come back, or another variation doesn't come back either. Crazy times. Crazy times is right, but you know the faster industry is chugging along, and we're dealing with transportation and price inflation, and it's good to have some problems to deal with. Well, it's good to have those kind of problems to deal with. You know, <laughs> a year yeah. ago, it was you know, am I going to keep my doors open and am I going to die? Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. It's a nice set of problems to have. Yeah, I agree with you there. So, all right. Any anything else on the FDI? If not, we can move on. You can let me know what's going on, or let let the listeners know what's new at GL Hewitt. Yeah, we uh, we continue to work on expansion. Uh, we added three regional sales managers last year, and those guys are assimilating themselves well. Right now, we're doing a lot of back end uh, technology, trying to improve our security, storage, things that aren't necessarily customer facing. Uh, so we, you know, we're looking for continued product expansion. We'd like to try to find acquisitions out there that complement our product lines. I know this past month uh, we paid a final earnout payment to Roger Safransky from uh, Precision Specialties. I've had a really good close relationship with him, along with Chuck Smith from uh, AZ Lifting Hardware. So you know, we'd like we'd like to find another another business to buy out there. Some more partners to give them a nice payout. <laughs> we would. Well, it's partly that, but it's also partly extending the legacy of, of the owner's you know, business into you know, another generation and, mm-hmm. and sustaining and taking care of the employees and the customers and such. So it's, it's something very meaningful to us and something we want to continue to expand on. 
Well, that's a that's a good approach, and I forgot to mention at the beginning I was I sh- that uh, you know congratulations on being inducted to the Fastener Hall of Fame in uh, 2020, and uh, that's quite an honor. And I enjoyed uh, I mentioned on the one of the podcasts. I mean, I think a lot of people enjoyed your presentation and and uh, acceptance speech. So congratulations in person over the uh, over the internet. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's I I, I was shocked. Uh, very appreciative of the people that I've learned from over the years, and I hope to be able to give back. I know upcoming here March 4th, I think it is, I'm doing a part of the ESPS with the NFDA on a leadership and management seminar, and I want to continue to try to give back like people have given to me. So I was honored and I was shocked. I think it's only appropriate that it was the COVID year. <laughs> so <laughs> I reflect a, a shortage of candidates, I'm guessing, but uh, no, no, but, uh, no, it was that, an honor. Yeah. Oh, that, that's good. And you guys did a good job, even though it was over, you know, the acceptances and that were done video recorded. You guys did a good job with it. Yeah. Well, John Walkman was well-deserving as well. He's, he's a good man. Yeah. And he had a good speech too. And uh, also you had the young. Yep. Jesse Salt. Yeah. Yeah. We're real proud of Jesse. She's a <laughs> self-made successful person and really has applied herself. So it's really nice to see that. She wrote out her something about writing something out on a bar napkin in a folding chair. I think. Yeah, <laughs> she's about right. It's about right. She's a uh, she and her husband works. Her husband works for us in 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 our manufacturing area, and they're they're kind of two peas in a pod. They're both uh, the kind of committed, uh, uh, always commitment to excellence. They do a lot of exercise, and we we did a uh, Dave Ramsey program at GL Hewitt a couple years back, and mm-hmm. they were among the people that uh, really committed themselves to personal debt reduction. I think we had a quarter of a million dollars in credit card debt, you know, in wiped one out. year, and our company yeah. wiped out from people. So, well, that's a good good uh, advertisement for Dave Ramsey, and I can tell that yeah. was. <laughs> I did a little bit of research with him in 2020 myself. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people did because you know, we all thought we didn't know what the future was going to bring. Right, with some belt tightening and that going on, you're like, hey, you know, so absolutely, thank goodness for the YouTube videos. Yes, yes, definitely. So yeah, it's nice to see you know people working to make themselves better, and it's nice to work with people like that. Yeah, good. So it sounds like you guys are doing uh, doing a lot of good stuff out there in Kansas and in Phoenix. And where's your third location? It's, it's um, the Memphis, Tennessee. We're actually uh, moving that facility and developing a new warehouse there, at, literally as we speak. So we're looking okay. forward to that. It's good. Isn't that close to where Dave's Ramsey is? And maybe in, he's somewhere in Franklin, I Tennessee, I think. Oh, it, oh, is he? I yeah, think so. Yeah, Franklin's where all the uh, that means he's got a lot of money because Franklin's where all the <laughs> rich movie or uh, country music stars live okay. south of Nashville. Oh. So, well, heck, if I'm doing a plug, I'll throw out. Yeah, you go. My son just reduced a new. <laughs> my, my son Tommy O'Keefe at Spotify. He just released a new song on Spotify. I encourage you to go listen to it. It's his right. best song so far. What's the name of the song? It's uh, I'd rather be lonely. Okay, that's. Good uh, subject for the last year. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I probably should have released it a year ago. Yeah. yeah, well, good luck to him. And good luck to you guys, at everybody at Geo Hewitt. Keep up the good work, and uh, we look forward to having you on the show again. And, and, and Mike, you know, I always appreciate what you do, and Eric, you're a good promoter and recognizer, I guess, if you will, documentarians of the industry, and I, I know the industry appreciates you too as well. Thanks for, for saying that, and uh, you know, thanks to Eric and Brian for giving me the, the platform. You bet. Good. Well, uh, we'll we'll talk to you down the road and hopefully in person before we do it on the on the radio again. Let's do it. <laughs> Thanks for having me on.
That was Tim O'Keefe. He's the chief executive officer at GL Hewitt. The FDI number for January 2021 was 57.7 versus 62.6 in December of 2020. Visit FDISurvey.com to participate in the process and get a detailed PDF copy of Baird's monthly analysis. Now for today's top story. Worth Industry North America, also known as WINA, has acquired Atlantic Fasteners Incorporated, a mainstay in the structural industry with 36 years of history manufacturing structural bolts and distributing standard and specialty fasteners. Atlantic Fasteners will join Worth's new construction services business division, Worth Construction Services. This acquisition fits into WINA's strategy to provide expert supply chain solutions of structural fasteners, safety, and MRO products, and it complements Worth Industries' strength in the construction market. The acquisition also gives WINA new manufacturing capabilities. The construction services division is made up of Atlantic Fasteners, Worth House of Threads, Weinstock Brothers, and Worth Action Bolt and Tool, and it is backed by nearly 230 years of service to the construction industry. Next up, today's Fastener Newsmaker Headlines. In acquisition and expansion news, Dyson Corporation has opened its newest location in Houston, Texas. Bolton has inaugurated a new production facility in Taipei, Taiwan through its subsidiary, PSM Fasteners Taiwan. The KMAX Group has partnered with Robert Schroeder Group of Companies. Middle Ground Capital has added to Edsco Fasteners with the acquisition of Atala Steel Industries. TRVIC, part of the TriFast group of companies, has added a Carlo Salvi cold former to its growing portfolio of machinery, and AutoBolt has opened a new shipping and receiving warehouse. In personnel news, Martin Incorporated welcomed Doug Mannion as VP of Finance. Brighton Best International has promoted John Brown to assistant warehouse manager at the BBI Cleveland, Ohio location. The Bassard Group announced that David Jones has succeeded Steen Hansen as CEO of North America and that Rolf Ritter is taking on the new role of Head of Strategy and Business Development. In event news, Fastener Fair Stuttgart was postponed to November 2021. Fastener Fair Mexico was moved to October. Fastener Training Week will be presented in March in Houston, Texas. And the NFTA Virtual Conference and ESPS will also take place this March. You can get details on all of these stories and more in Fastener Technology International Magazine and the Fastener News Report monthly newsletter, both available online and in print editions at fastenertech.com. Now let's turn to the back page to talk about a helpful collaboration between government, higher education, and the Fastener industry. Regular back page listeners may have the impression that I am totally against government in general, but that is not the case. I am certainly suspicious of governments getting too big and powerful and descending into tyranny and totalitarian actions, but I'm always quick to admit the proper roles of government and to applaud helpful government activities. An example of this can be found in the story that comes to us from the United Kingdom that shows a nice collaboration between the University of Sheffield Advanced Manufacturing Research Center, also known as the AMRC, and Lisi Automotive through its BAI UK Fastener Company. Together, they have jointly secured 970,000 pounds in funding from the Aerospace Technology Institute, also known as the ATI, a joint government industry program in the UK, to unlock productivity gains, new markets, and reduce waste in the fastener industry through the integration of Industry 4.0 technologies. 
the pilot production line for high-precision aerospace fastener at BAI's UK facility in Warwickshire, England, will help define the smart factory by pioneering the use of machine learning, data analytics, indirect fault detection, and other cutting-edge digital technologies. The aim is to deliver a smart, dynamic manufacturing line that minimizes waste, improves worker safety and efficiency, and sets a new benchmark for productivity in the aerospace fastener industry. Lisi's BAI UK company and the AMRC will work closely with fastener machine builders and tooling providers throughout the 27-month program. And Lisi Aerospace recently announced a contract extension with the Boeing company to provide close to 6,000 different part numbers in support of all Boeing's commercial aircraft programs, including the 737, the 747, 767, 777, and 787 products. I say hats off to all involved in this project, which is, in my opinion, is a classic example of a useful collaboration between government, higher education, and a regular industry that employs regular people that are making high-quality fastener products. And finally, for a back page bonus question, did you know that the federal government, which plans to rack up the second highest deficit ever in 2021 after setting the world record in 2020, employs nearly 1.4 million people in over 300 different agencies with an annual salary budget of almost $120 billion? That works out to an average annual salary of more than $80,000 per employee. Furthermore, in 2019, well over 100 people made $300,000 or more per year, including everyone's favorite 80-year-old doctor, Anthony Fauci, who comes in at number one in 2019 with an annual salary of $417,608, a 9% increase over his reported pay for 2018. So if he got similar raises in 2020 and 2021, then he is closing in on half a million dollars in annual compensation. What the heck is going on here, and who is doling out these massive salaries, mostly to so-called medical officers that certainly didn't protect many Americans from this current and possibly perpetual state of pandemic? This has been Mike McNulty of Fastener Technology International, bringing you the Fastener News Report. Please send your news, pictures, comments, corrections, or complaints to me at mcnulty at fastenertech.com. I could catch a buzz like a neon sign I could light a marble red I could scuff my boots on a hardwood floor I could dance you out of my head I could drop a pretty penny at the bar Take a dime a dozen home I could drink up an excuse to call you Quality products, quality service, quality customers. That's 3Q Inc. 
a fastener distributor unlike any you've worked with before. With its unique remote-managed inventory stocking programs, wide array of secondary service offerings, and wholly owned cold-forming capability, 3Q Inc. has been supporting fastener distributors since 2008. 3Q offers a wide range of 100% American-made fasteners, including ITW SEMS lock washers as well as specialty and imported parts. Give 3Q a call today to discuss your needs and experience 3Q quality for yourself. 3Q Inc. www.3q-inc.com Regardless of the required size, materials, or finish, Eurolink has the European resources to meet your hard-to-find metric fastener demands. How do we do it? Eurolink has access to more than 100,000 quality metric parts. With daily air freight shipments and monthly sea freight shipments, we have the ability to solve your toughest metric fastener supply issues. Just think of us as your heavy metal rock stars. To learn more about how we can rock your fastener world, just visit us at EurolinkFSS.com. Since 1905, Buckeye Fasteners and the Ohio Nut and Bolt Company have been supplying the world with high-quality fasteners. Our standard product lines include weld fasteners, graded weld screws, leg levelers, self-clinching hardware, clevis pins, rivet nuts, and various other fastener lines, allowing us to support virtually all types of industries. BuckeyeFasteners.com. Buckeye Fasteners, more than just weld. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fastener Training Minute. This is Carmen Vertulo coming to you from the Fastener Training Institute and AIM Testing Laboratory in beautiful El Cajon, California. As is often the case, today's Fastener Training Minute comes out of an email that I got, and that email actually turned into a little bit of a consultation. And the topic has to do with stainless steel and rusting of stainless steel, in this case, fasteners, because we're in the fastener business. But this particular concept we're going to talk about when it comes to rusting and stainless steel and that process you all know as passivation actually applies to any stainless steel, not just stainless steel fasteners. When we come back, I'm going to tell you some things that are going to be very helpful to know about passivation of stainless steel, what it is, what it isn't, why it matters to us, and why sometimes an authoritative citation can be a very powerful tool in your bag to help guide your customers out of a problem. See you in a few. Knowledge is the key to success in the fastener industry, and the Fastener Training Institute has the tools you need to succeed. From advanced to beginner's training courses, the Fastener Training Institute provides a wide variety of resources to boost your team's ability to operate at an elite level. Go to fastenertraining.org to see the schedule of online and in-person classes coming up and reach out with any questions or requests for custom course materials. The Fastener Training Institute, fastenertraining.org. Welcome back to the Fastener Training Minute. This is Carmen Vertulo talking to you today about passivation of stainless steel. Now, most people that are in the fastener industry that sell or deal with stainless steel fasteners are very familiar with passivation. You probably know that it's a relatively simple process, not very expensive, where the stainless steel is immersed in an acid solution, usually a acid solution at some temperature, some specified 
concentration. The acid is usually nitric acid, but it can be other acids for a certain amount of time. The stainless steel is taken out out of that acid. It's exposed to air. It's rinsed. And now the surface of that stainless has gone from what formerly would have been classified as possibly active to now it's a passive surface. That is, there is no activity going on on that surface that would lead the stainless steel to corrode. So you might ask, what in the heck was wrong with the stainless steel in the first place that would need us to do this passivation thing to it? Well, in the processing of stainless steel components, it doesn't matter if they're fasteners, knives and forks and spoons, pots and pans, whatever you may be making out of stainless steel machined parts. The tooling that that stainless steel is exposed to will leave behind on the stainless steel what's called free iron or iron particles or steel particles, carbon, steel, ferrite, whatever you want to call it, on the surface of the stainless steel. Now, under normal conditions, probably would not ever make any difference. But if that stainless steel is exposed to moisture or any kind of an electrolyte, now we have an opportunity for those particles that have iron in them to begin to corrode, and it looks like our stainless steel is rusting. Our stainless steel actually is not rusting. It's that crap that's left behind on the surface that's rusting. So the passivation process does two things. First, it removes all of that crap. Now, it won't remove everything. So it's very important before we go into the passivation process that our product is clean. If you have scale on it, for example, from the hot heading process, that scale should be removed either through a much stronger acid process or possibly through an abrasive cleaning such as sandblasting or bead blasting the head of the fastener or even machining it off. Any oil or grease or left behind goop from the machining process needs to be removed. Then we put it into the passivation fluid, which is acid. Now, the passivation processor is not going to want to put your dirty parts in their passivation tank because it's going to contaminate their tank. So they're probably going to do some kind of cleaning first, but if your parts are excessively dirty, they're not going to like that. So we start with a clean part, put it in the passivation acid, take it out. The passivation acid will have dissolved those free iron particles on the surface and removed them, number one. And number two, once the stainless is exposed to oxygen in the air again, a very nice, fresh, thick, good, thick is relative because it's microscopically thin, but coating or layer of chromic oxide is formed on the fastener. Chromium oxide might be the better way to say that. And that chromium oxide is what makes stainless steel non-corrosive. It's the secret sauce of stainless steel. And so from time to time, and this is what precipitated this particular fastener training minute, a customer will receive some bolting. They'll put it in place. Lo and behold, it rusts. They call the supplier and they complain, hey, this stainless steel is not really stainless steel. How do I know? Because it's rusting. In this particular case, some very large diameter ASTM A193B8 and B8M, you know what that is, right? B8 is 304 stainless, B8M is 316 stainless, both these bolts, large hot form bolts sold to someone who put them in some kind of a pipeline. I don't know what kind because I just saw a photograph of a large flange and the heads were rusting. So the customer complains to the supplier who becomes my client. The supplier calls me up and I say, well, were they passivated? They said, no. I said, were they cleaned on the head? They said, no. 
Well, it turns out that ASTM A193 specifically says that if you want clean, bright, shiny heads, you have to request that on the purchase order. Otherwise, you could get black, hot-formed heads on any product, stainless steel or otherwise. Secondly, ASTM A193 does not even provide a provision for passivation, even in the supplement. You have to go to its companion specification, ASTM A1962, A1962M. Both of these are M standards, by the way, means they include metric product. In that standard, we have a supplement. At the very end, it's a big number, like supplement 70 or 71 or something, where it says, if you'd like this product to be passivated, call out this supplement and it'll be passivated to an ASTM standard. None of that was included in the ordering information of this product. So technically, there is no cause for rejection of the product. And so that was the authoritative citation that we used. We ended up writing a nice technical opinion around that. Hopefully, even though the customer probably will not be happy, at least they have a technical opinion, which also states, by the way, there's no detrimental effect to that surface rust. It's not going to hurt anything. It's not going to go in deep. It doesn't mean that fastener itself is ever going to corrode, assuming it's in a normal circumstance where it would otherwise be fine. It's just unsightly. If you don't like it, clean it off. If it comes back, paint over it. There are ways around that. So, Those are things that are very helpful to know. And actually, what's most powerful is being able to provide that answer in a quick scenario under which the customer is sitting there waiting around. Can I use these bolts? Do I have to remove them and replace them? Give me something that I can use to understand that there really is not a problem here. And the next time I order this product, I'll know how to order it so as to prevent my beautiful B7 and B8 stainless steel bolts from corroding in the application. Well, now you know about as much as you need to know about stainless steel passivation when it comes to fasteners, but what's most important is that you're able to apply it to solve a problem. This has been Carmen Vertula with the Fastener Training Minute. Thanks for listening. At Brighton Best, we continue to expand our wide range of products, including stainless steel and metric fasteners. Our family of brands include Preferred, U.S. Anchor, and Ironclad Performance Wear. BBI has been a trusted partner since 1925. With award-winning hand tools, gloves, and drywall screws, BBI is the largest master distributor of fasteners in the USA. Tested, tried, and true. We are Brighton Best. To learn more about Brighton Best, visit brightonbest.com. This is Baron Yarbrough with Spring Bolts and Nut Manufacturing, the best beard in the business. Sorry, Chris, and you're listening to Fully Threaded Radio. Brian and Eric, back with you, fully threaded, now continuing our regular feature segment programming. Hi, Brian. Right. Our regularly programmed feature. Yes. With us now, you love him, you know him, he's George Hunt III, GH3. Eric, how are you? Brian, thanks for having me back. (laughs) That's right. Good. Thanks, man. We were on a call the other day of the Naperville Fastener Association, a Zoom meeting, and I said, it's been too long. We got to get George back. How are you, man? I'm great. How fun is that? I mean, you've got 
I don't know, 10 to 15 guys all across the industry that are kind of local, but really have a lot of different flavor and more knowledge than probably most. And it's it's just so good to enjoy that kind of camaraderie amongst competitors and friends. So I'm glad you guys uh, keep that up. Well, I'm not very good at keeping it up. I had other things I had to do that day. <laughs> yeah, where were you, man? <laughs> I was down answering questions like, uh, name two people who were involved in writing the Declaration of Independence. Oh, yeah. You got big news. I didn't know you were going to blow that open on the show. Yeah. Don't upstage GH3. No, right. uh, we'll, 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 we'll go into got, that later. You got you to get in on this, man. <laughs> well, tell us about it. Oh, well. You don't mind, sh- you don't mind sharing a little of your time with uh, Brian, do you, George? Not at all. I actually was going to bring it up, so I'm glad he brought it up first. This is big news, man. Big news. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I've, I've been in the States for 37 years, you know, and clearly uh, it's my country of choice to live in. And um, But it used to be that, you know, I used to have this, I don't know, strange attachment, even though I have no desire to live in New Zealand again. I had my strange attachment to my New Zealand passport. And um well, when I first you know came to the states, you couldn't, you had to disavow publicly your citizenship if you took U.S. citizenship. Was never really quite ready to do that because I still got my family that lives there. However, they've stopped applying that rule, and so now you can really have two citizenships, dual. Um, so I decided two years ago, okay, I'm going to apply for U.S. citizenship, and it takes a lot of time and course, the whole immigrant thing made everything very, very, very difficult. For the light. No matter who you are or what color, it's all complicated. And the day that they finally decided to go ahead and they said, you've got to come and have what they call the biometrics, where you get your fingerprints and all that sort of stuff, photos. And all, of all days. That day was the day that Illinois shut down. So then everything stopped. And then I got a note about six months later to saying that it had all been delayed by a year. Oh, this is going way back. I, I thought you yeah. were going to lead up to. That's why I missed the Naperville Fastener oh, no. Association meeting. So, <laughs> so it is. Well, it how long is this going to take? You know, George is waiting, Brian. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, well, no. the immigration department. Hey, it works at its, its own time scale. Okay, it's very, very bloody slow. I know. It sounds like you've kind of caught the bug a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. And so they finally allocated the time where you have to go and have your final interview where they ask you questions I guess called civics questions to work out can you read can you write um, how many justices on the Supreme Court and things like that and so that was Thursday the same day as the meeting Wow so you're more versed in civics and uh, United States government than probably the common man or woman yeah then your average senator or representative for sure yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah in fact i asked the teenage kid over the road last night i asked him how many justices on the supreme court this is a kid who's of course done his whole section on civics in high school had no idea <laughs> well that that's awesome brian congratulations <sighs> Yeah, another, well, it's still more yet. I've still got to go back to Washington. It's got to be approved and all that sort of mm. stuff. There's a lot of layers of, that go, layers of decisions that go through it yet. Sure. We're going to have a big party and we'll make an announcement when <laughs> the big news comes, but I'm sure you passed with flying colors. <laughs> it's hard to play by the rules sometimes, you know? It takes a little longer when you actually go by the book, right? George, you know all about that, don't you? Yeah, you know, uh, but... You know, sometimes it's better to uh, ask for forgiveness than it is permission. In this uh, situation, I don't think you can do that, but oh, 90% no. of the time. <laughs> yeah, right. No, you, 
No jokes, no nothing. I'd be very careful. But anyway, so we're we're back off that. Now we'll go back to, so that was why I couldn't join the Naperville Pastoral Association and other things I was doing. Well, I'm sure we'll uh, get together again soon, hopefully in the summer when all this stuff breaks and right. we can get back to normal or whatever this semi-new normal is going to be. And we can all have a beer and maybe a fist bump, not a handshake. Have you been to downtown Naperville since all this set in, George? You know, I've been out and about and, um, you know, you're taking all the necessary precautions and all the other good stuff, but uh, I've got cabin fever. I can't stay in <laughs> Uh, I'm a I'm a huggy, kissy, feely type guy. I think you guys know that, and uh, it's going to be difficult for me to uh, do whatever it is that we're going to be doing uh, in person because, uh, as you know, I've got this nice beard going, and the gator mask really isn't uh, yeah, right. doing much for my style <laughs> right now. So uh, I, I just right. we need to get back. We need to get back. Yeah, well, we're going through all this sanitation and uh, healthfulness uh, theater lately, but uh, people with beards are really pushing the envelope because, let's face it, I mean, (laughs) that thing ain't doing anything but uh, making you look compliant, which you have to do these days. So, yeah, I really really feel for you, George. (laughs) Well, hey, during our conversation, which, you know, Marty brought all that together, which is weird because he's an Ohio guy, but you're an Ohio guy now, too, and Uh you're in the Chicago landing. Matter of fact, you have taken the MWFA by storm, and you are now the president of that association. Congratulations to you, man. Yes, right. Thank you. Thank you. It's it's a it's a great honor, and um, it you know it's a great group of people. It really is, and and uh, you know from coming from Ohio, as you said, coming into Illinois and to be in an industry that you know and love, but a different market segments, right, and different people, different competitors, a different feel. I was blessed to have you know people like Rich Cavoto and Bob Bear and Wayne Wishnew to really take me under their wing and. And um, help me. And in other industries, that just doesn't happen, right? Those are competitors. Yeah, and, I know. Um, you know, in this industry, it is. It's all about camaraderie. It's all about, you know, helping each other out. And if it wasn't for those three gentlemen, um, I don't think I would be as successful as I have been. So, yeah, it's, it's a tremendous honor. And I'm glad to be a small part of the association. Yeah, it's one of these things that has always surprised and interested me, which is very unlike many, many other industries. But you can actually get a whole group of people in a room together, all of whom compete at some level, and you'd never know it because they're just friends at a different level. And they've managed to work out how to make all, you know, how to do that. This industry, and particularly the group around here in Chicago, I'm sure if you did, were in Los Angeles, it would be just the same. It's very interesting how a group of people who are on the same market, competing in the same market, can really get on really well together and look forward to seeing each other. Absolutely. I mean, it's, look, we all share the best business practices, right? The only differentiation really between us is the secret sauce. You know, whatever makes you that much more important or whatever, however you want to describe it. And yeah, it's been great. Almost 25 years now I've been in the industry and it is true what they say. You know, once you're in, you really can't get out. (laughs) Yeah, we've heard that. (laughs) (laughs) I've been trying to get out for a while. I haven't succeeded yet. This was going to be like, what, a five-year business, Bri? We had that plan. You know? Yeah, I know. Five years, <laughs> hit it hard, get out. Didn't work. 
<laughs> yeah, we had no idea what we were really going to do at the end of that five years, but still, it was the thinking. I'm not complaining, mind you, but that was a little delusional in hindsight. Well, who who's on the board now, MWFA? What's the new lineup? Because I know a lot of the old regulars are now, what do they, you call it, trustees? Yeah, directors. So typically what happens is, you know, you have a regime change and they'll fall to directors, but really they do a lot. And uh, as you know, Paul Avitz, the former uh, president of the association for the past two years, done a great job, just a fantastic job of really directing our association through this COVID mess in 2020. And, you know, she really kept us uh, moving in the in all the right direction. So it was good for us. So Paula's done a, a great job. Then we have Matt DeLauder, who's with SWD. He's the yeah. vice president. Uh, Bob Bear at Abbott Interfast, he's our treasurer. And then uh, bringing up the reins is Jake Davis from BTM Manufacturing, who's our secretary. So those are the officers. Uh, we have some new blood as well, which is great to really try to turn over this association and the board members so we can get a new flavor of individuals. And we got young too, which is good. So Jill Lewis from Integrated Packaging is now a uh, director and also Bobby Wagner from uh, Beacon. Oh, okay. So cool. really adds to the guys like Rich Cavoto and Wayne Wishnew and David Golick and Tabitha Hurston and, um, and Paula that uh, will be our directors and who can't forget Nancy Rich, who really is the heartbeat of our association. Uh, I like to say we're the eye candy. Nancy really does all the work. So uh, with with those members, we're really poised to have a great 2021. Cool. Well, we look forward to everything starting up and picking up where it left off because everyone wants that. Yeah, let's face it, everybody knows that Nancy's really pulling the heavy weights over there. And, you know, when you think about it, Nancy and uh, over on the West Coast, Vicky, her team, you know, they're like the deep state of the fastener industry in a way, right? They're the <laughs> they're the people who really make things happen. Yeah, the silent assassins. I mean, yeah. they, you know, they, they really do a lot. And like for Vicky and Nancy, it's not like they do one association. They do multiples. Yeah, I know. And uh, – we're all great people, but uh, we get some strong personalities on the MWFA. Try to hone those in on a two and a half hour board meeting. She does a great job. So, so here's an issue that you guys have probably been kicking around. What's the outlook for Fastener Tech, given everything that's going on in the world? Yeah, we're we're really excited about this year because, you know, Fastener Tech, we're going to try something different this year and we're going to have a Fastener Week. And what we learned in 2020 was that we need to be more proactive rather than reactionary. I think in 2020, we really didn't know what we wanted to do and how we wanted to get information out to our members. And uh, I think we did an amazing job. But at the end of the year, I think we came together and said, we need to be more proactive in getting information to our members. Already alone this calendar year, we've had three events, all virtual, mind you, but still Good industry topics uh, like logistics and like OSHA and like lobbyists that uh, get the ever-changing winds of what's going on in our economic climate today out to our membership so they can make better decisions on how they're going to run their organization. So that's the first part of it, right? Trying to be virtual, trying to get information out to our, our members and, and trying to get them to understand what we think is going to go on. And then we're hoping that this herd 
immunity will kick in and we can go out and have a beer together again. So maybe in August, we have a fastener week that allows us to have a golf outing, have a tabletop, have some networking events and throw in some of the social aspects of our association into one week so we can hit that restart button and uh, get back to business as usual. Okay. So when do you expect this to be formally announced? Because I'm not seeing anything out there right now. When do you think that this will be formalized? Well, it is formalized. We we have sent the schedule out to the uh, FIC and everybody else who has it on their website. It is actually on our website right now. So the week of August 16th through the 20th. Uh, we're, oh, why am I not seeing that? Hmm. Yeah, we're going to be having uh, our anniversary dinner. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, which is going to be uh, kind of morphing our 74th and 75th together. Yeah as well as our tabletop and uh, we're going to have our golf outing plus the networking event that we have uh, with the students uh, that will be uh, doing fastener training week in Chicago that week. So it's going to kind of all be blended together and uh, maybe uh, a big surprise uh, at the beginning to try to kickstart our week with uh, some uh, friendly competition, if you will. I'm not sure quite what to read into that, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> what, are you, what are you actually saying, George? <laughs> what do they they call that a hook, or what do they call that yeah. in the radio business? <laughs> I can't throw that softball up any easier for you, Eric. Yeah, well, that was definitely on the topic list because getting back to the Naperville Fastener Association <laughs> right. meeting. You know, one of the great topics that we spent a lot of time on was, and this actually harkens back to the previous episode of the podcast, George, because yeah. it was Coolhan and uh, Jake Valdez Davis from BTM Manufacturing, now on the MWFA board, strangely enough, but they had signed on to Bob's Tough Mudder. And I think without really fully appreciating what they'd gotten themselves into. So that really caused some conversation offline after the podcast and it looks like this thing is just mushrooming, and now GQ is the leader of a <laughs> of movement, and you're a part of it too. Well, I I think I'm just helping uh, Bobby out um, with all the things that need to go on here. But I'll tell you what, Jake Valdez Davis is gold. You should win an award for that. I mean, if, if there is anyone you pinpointed in a nickname, it's that. So that has to stick whether or not Jake likes it or not. But yeah, you, you know, so we've been talking about a tough mutter for five years now. And it really started with uh, our appreciation or disdain, if you will, when uh, Bobby GQ Bear is walking around in his uh, three-piece suits and looking felt and fit and just talking about some of the things that he does to keep up with his daily regimen. And uh, he just threw out tough mutters and warrior dashes and Spartan races. And then it kind of morphed into that, okay, we've got to do an industry one. And now we've been talking about it. And then this year it was, okay, we're doing it. So uh, I don't I'm pretty excited about it. But you know, what we're really looking to do is Saturday, August 14th, Prior to Fastener Week, there is a Tough Mudder event in Rockford, Illinois. So you did lock in on that one. And is it we the did. 3K? It's the shorter, it's the more manageable one. We'll say it that way, right? It is. It's the 3K, three mile, about 3.1 miles. It's got 13 plus obstacles. And it's short 
and long enough to get our industry just excited about getting together and, you know, rolling around in some mud. Okay, so that's the next step in the progression of this thing. We announced it last episode. Now we're dialed in on the exact date. It's actually in Rockford, so that's not terribly far from where the uh, show will be happening. I mean, it's not right there, but it's manageable. And so the next stage in this, George, is we've got to begin recruiting the team. Now, you can give us an idea about who we think is on the team, who are maybes, and then what is the training protocol going to be? Because I think that's where we have some opportunities for for some really solid fastener industry entertainment. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, we're we're really looking for about a team of 15. Uh, we have 10 open slots right now. And um, you're absolutely right, Eric. What we're going to do is we're going to ask you to train for about five to eight weeks prior to the event. And I'll, I'll be sending out an email to those individuals that at least expressed interest to either Bob or myself in previous discussions. And then from there, it could really morph into, hey, this is a great idea. You go ahead and forward it off to, you know, whomever you think might be interested. But that five-week regiment really is kind of simplistic. It's got some uh, practical fitness challenges, some skill challenges, and even some extra credit, which are more so like healthy initiatives that uh, really help you out to get ready for this event. But I will tell you, it's it's really based on the honor system, really. I mean, it's, it's going to be that thing where you look at and you're going to do, and when you wake up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror, are you going to be able to uh, step up to the plate when the bell sounds? Sounds like Brian's morning ritual. Yeah. I mean, I'm very <laughs> up at buddy quarter to six every morning heading off to the gym. So, but... I'm not yeah, sure you've, you've made it sound attractive enough yet, George. Yeah, <laughs> the, the the rolling around in the mud bit. I'm not sure if that's like the attractive sounding part of it. Well, you know, I have <laughs> been told not to scare anybody, Brian. You're right. I can understand <laughs> that. <laughs> so sometimes I get a little exuberant. And when I talk about things like that, but my, uh, my excitement for something kind of turns into scaring the crap out of people. So <laughs> I've been told to tone it down a little bit, but I, I will tell you, it's a challenge and it's a team effort and we're out there for fun. And it's kind of a fireman's mentality where we start as a team, we end as a team, and then at the end, we drink as a team. And I just think it's a great opportunity for us to just get together and do something that we can tout to our industry friends and try to make it as big as possible. And who knows, maybe we can add another tattoo to Solution Man or something like that uh, for accomplishing the Tough Mudder event. Oh, I think tattoos are definitely going to be happening. Not for me, but uh, they're going to be happening. And I think you've got a lot of excitement already building for this. You caught a lot of uh, tension, I think, just in drinking at the end. Yeah, you're going to have a crowd there, at least cheering us on, right? Yeah, absolutely. We hope so. And and I hope everybody gets involved. I mean, even if you aren't part of the team or don't want to be part of the team, you're going to be in Chicago anyway for that week. Why not come in on a Saturday and make your signs and you know make the best of it and cheer us? on. So yeah, it's going to be a great time. That is true. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. Well, it's toughmutter.com. There's pretty plentiful photos and everything out here of the vents and everything. I think they did a lot to make it look appealing to a wide variety of people. Little did they know that 
GQ is busily practicing his uh, electrocution exercises. Yeah, you know? He's I just know. upping the voltage every day a little bit, so he'll be ready come August. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know that's how he has to wake up at 5.15 in the morning every morning just to get out of bed to get motivate himself to do 100 laps in the pool just to get well, whatever his regimen is. It's, oh, it's yeah, no. That's for sure. Stick your finger straight in the end of a power soft point, okay? <laughs> Absolutely. Wait till the hero stands up on it. Oh, now I'm ready. Has anybody reached out to Kirk Zender over at Ernst? Because he's kind of one of these mind over matter kind of guys, you know, takes showers and ice water and stuff. Make sure you put him on the list, George. Absolutely. Yeah, he's on the list. We got a short list, you know, Kirk and Marty and Mike Robinson, uh, Bob Bear, Frank DeVito. Uh, I better see you out there, Eric. I mean, what's, I mean, here right now, I'm putting in front where all your listeners can hear. Are we going to see Eric Dudas out there in an ice bath and rolling around in mud with uh, Bob GQ Bear and GH? Well, th- thanks for asking, George, <laughs> because uh, we're putting a definite big, we're working with our management on that. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to get sponsors to make this happen. And, uh, you know, if things go our way, I think we're going to have something to announce in the next couple of episodes, George. So thank, Good. thanks for asking. And believe me, you have our full support. Whether Brian and I are there on the course with you or we're playfully mocking you from the sidelines, we are with you. <laughs> good, good. We need all the help we could get, and uh, we do need the cheerleaders and the support, so thank you. This is going to be good. Okay, so that was great. Hey, I, by the way, I just got a text here from Valdez. Did you see, by the way, I just saw a... Um, email come out from uh, TS and he has interviewed Jake for yeah. his blog, which is this ongoing series. I'm sure most of you know, fastenerblog.net. So Jake Valdez Davis, his latest subject and uh, texted over there to him and said, Hey, you're famous now, Jake. And how's the training going? And he says, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he says, uh, pretty good. If you call this training, so I'm not sure <laughs> if he started yet, frankly, but I think he's I think it's beginning to dawn on him what he's set himself up for. So Well that's the thing, right? And that's why this email's gonna go out. There's a lot of people who wanna do it until they've gotta do it, right? <laughs> so yeah. we'll see who actually signs up. Okay, well, we're we're counting on a big turnout, and I'm sure it's going to be a success, as will your Fastener Week. So I see it now here on the MWFA website. Not sure why I missed that before. I think what I was looking for was the event in June is what it is, George. Right. Yeah, we kind of we kind of moved all of that for two reasons. One, uh, we wanted to really make a, a splash and a big kind of event. Uh, it's been almost two years, guys, since we've been out and about with each other. And uh, man, we're going to need more than four to six hours to uh, you know to blend that in. So we thought a week would be good, and uh, we still got to get through some stuff, right? With with the right. pandemic and everything else. So we think August is really going to be the dial back point as to when we could get back out there and do things again well we're all hoping that's true yeah we're all hoping we can get through this really crazy period that's going on in the fastener business right there's tons of things happening i know you're right on top of it because we didn't point it out here we are talking with gh3 he's the branch manager for the great bright and best international in chicago and uh i've done a terrible job of making note of that so (laughs) sorry george (laughs) but uh you see a lot you talk to people every day and and now they're starting to 
to actually see the ripple effects from the cargo issue and everything. Lay it on us. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? You know, first of all, you, you know, uh, your last episode with Chris Donnell was fantastic. Uh, kudos to you for having him on and kudos to Chris. We actually had him on as a speaker for one of our logistic lunch and learn at NWFA. And he reached an audience about 70 strong. And, uh, it was, it was a great hour of just understanding what's going on out there. Yeah. And as you guys said in, in your, in your last podcast, and that is, you know, it's not, it's doom and gloom, right? When you get done with it, I think you kind of, exasperated and then uh, said, okay, let's, let's get to the good stuff. Now it just is what it is. I mean, it's, you're looking at close to 70 vessels off the coast of LA that are waiting to get in. And then from there, uh, they've got to find uh, trucks and they've got to find rail and try to get it into wherever, you know, you're getting it from. So it's a trickle down effect and it's really uh, causing some major delays in the industry. Um, this is, it's important. It's important for those importers that are, are the smaller importers that are out there and trying to figure out what they need to do and how they need to adapt in order to get their inventory so they can still service their customers. Um, you know, with the Chinese new year and everything else, I think things will start to level out after that. But uh, I think a lot of our distributors and a lot of customers want to know that, A, it's going to get better, and B, we're looking at the situation and making sure that everything is being done in order to service our distributors. And from a Brighton Best perspective, I can tell you that that's absolutely happening. Our inventory levels are where they need to be. We have containers that continue to come in. So I think... Our distributors need to be cognizant of the fact that there is an issue, it will get better, and you can count on Brighton Best for support. Wow, well said. They pay you to say that, don't they, George? <laughs> they do. Ultimately, you're going to be the judge if I <laughs> if I carry out what I say is going to happen. So. Wow. <laughs> Supremely confident. Like buddy Dwight Eisenhower when he's ready to okay the Normandy landing. Hell. <laughs> Well, based on what you're hearing out there, do you see or do you sense any particular commodity areas, for example, that maybe are experiencing more problems right now? Usually there's always one part of the product mix that's a pain point. Yeah, that's a great question, Eric. And and really it's it's third world countries. I mean, it, mostly when you're looking at the countries in which this industry gets their goods from, it's going to be China, it's going to be Taiwan, it's India. When you start getting into Vietnam and Malaysia and, and those countries, um, it gets a little harder harder to source. When, you, when you're going to countries that have manufacturers or vendors, suppliers that are smaller in scale, or you're going through a trading company in order to get to the manufacturer that you need to get to, that's when you're going to start seeing some of these delays, uh, some of your pain points, uh, the headaches that we're dealing with today. Um, domestically, we really shouldn't see any issues or concerns. Uh, I know that, um, uh, domestically here, what's going on, but with guys like the Brighton Bests and the Stelfast and the XLs and the stars of the world, you really should be able to get what you need in a timely manner. 
And I think that's what we talk about at the beginning of the conversation that we had today. Although we are competitors, these are huge organizations that are doing their due diligence, both here and abroad, to ensure that our industry is going to stay strong and carry us through these tough times. Okay, that's the master distributor still playing an important role in the fastener business. Yeah. Do you see any particular areas that you want to put a spotlight on in terms of pricing? Because we're, of course, continuing to hear all kinds of pressure on materials. Where's that rolling through into what distributors are actually seeing on the street now? Yeah, I wish I had a crystal ball and I could tell you that uh, in Q2 of 2021, <laughs> uh, everything's going to stabilize and you'll well, all be we're, we're not asking for that, George. All we're saying is what's the outlook right now? You know, what do you see? Oh, today? I'm asking for that. <laughs> everything's going up. Everything's going up from ocean freight to air freight to material costs to currency. I could name all of the hit points and the variables that people talk about what goes into a, a, a price of a fastener. It's all going up. Um, so yeah, I would, I would stay cognizant of what's going on out in the, out there and, and getting with your market leaders and making sure that, um, you have all the information you need to make adjustments. And I believe that you will continue to make adjustments until probably the end of Q3 of this year. Um, there are some significant escaliers out there that are causing our pricing to go up. Yeah, including the U.S. currency, which has sagged oh, a few percent, you know, against all the other major currencies. So that automatically makes prices increase. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you've got, you know, there's a whole litany of things that go into a price of a fastener, as you guys know. And uh, we're doing our due diligence of trying to get that information out in the field so you know exactly what's going on. So hopefully together we can get through this and it's not all doom and gloom. I know a lot of people are busy out there. That's the, that's the other side of this coin, right? Yeah. Although the pricing is going up and freight is going up and all the other ancillary issues, um, everybody's busy. Everybody's having record months. Everybody's pushing a lot of volume out there. So it's not all bad. Well, we just heard the latest FDI. It's a little sagged, but it's still way above 50, and the outlook is just sky high. So, yeah, that's continuing on. Well, if you want to talk about a specific category, commodity category, the new distributor link magazine just hit the street. I'm looking at the back cover, bright and best, loud and proud right there. People who are looking for metric washers certainly know where to go. That's your latest, George, on your uh, back cover. Blow your top on that one, man. Yeah, you know, so a lot of people, and I still get this, Eric, from, from time to time as I go and I talk to our distributors and I sit down. And before I can even open my mouth, they'll say, wait, hold on, George, please tell me you still sell fasteners. <laughs> yes, we still sell fasteners. And uh, it, it's really still the foundation of how our organization was built and something that we are going to continue to invest in. Fasteners is our identity. Fasteners is not going away. And although we are diversifying our portfolio and getting into a lot of different commodity lines these days, we're going to continue to round out our lines in the fastener section. 
metrics. We're doing a considerable job of metrics and uh, a good job of, of bringing in the tweener sizes, the different kind of uh, 10.9s, the 12.9s, the 8.8s. We're rounding out our washer metric line as well as our nut line. So it's really important for us that we create a one-stop shop approach for our customers to come in, cut one PO and get your inch, your metric, your stainless, your low carbon, your medium carbon. And if you want to throw it, on a glove or two, maybe even a hand tool, we'll have that for you as well. Or if you happen to be running out of your workout gloves and you suddenly <laughs> find another set there. I mean, it doesn't have to be to do with fastener work, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Be it fishing or, you know, deadlifting, uh, <laughs> we got what you need. Ironclad's got you covered. Do you see, um, George, is this extra um, emphasis on metric stuff do you see that is that a result of increase in demand for metric stuff i mean yes interesting isn't it it's very interesting because we were told something different right yeah yeah we were told that it's not going to catch on or we were told it's going to go away and then we've got the iso versus the din situation yeah and what's more extraordinary about that is even though there are end users government officials and other market segments trying to absolve a certain specification, there are still customers out there that want it to that spec, that need it to that spec and don't care what the industry pundits are saying. Right. So really what's driving our portfolio is our customer base. Our customer base tells us what to source, what to add, and what to hang on to. Yeah, it must, it must be, I mean, I've come to think that manufacturing in the US must be quietly, slightly leaning more towards using metric sizes than they were in the past. Because ultimately, that's what's driving requests for you, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. someone ma- someone's making something in metrics and they have to get it from somewhere and they get it from some distributor who gets it from you. Absolutely, Brian. It's the European initiative, right? And you've got a lot of customers and a lot of end users that have uh, industry presence in those European markets, and they're still a driving force in the States today. Yeah, right. Another other thing I've noticed is that, you know, we, for years and years, we have kept stats, not because anyone else has interested them except me, but because I came from a, you know, from a world where metrics were in use and, um, mm-hmm. And it always interested me that DIN numbers were so much more prevalent in the, in the US. But what I've noticed, just when I go back and I look at the stats for last year, okay, if I went back two years, the ratio of people searching for DIN numbers versus searching for ISO numbers was sort of about, you know, 10 to 1, sort of, DIN to ISO. It's changed in a year, okay? And last year, over the whole year, it was about, say, two to five, three to four, and that sort of, it's a strange, strange ratio now. A lot more people using ISO numbers. Yeah, you're seeing a market switch, and you're seeing that in the bid packages that are going out today, where you saw, and I and I agree with you, where you saw more uh, more prevalent in DIN sizes when they're calling out specifications yeah. in their bid packages. Now it's ISO. And unfortunately, now it's nothing. They're not calling out an ISO or a DIN. So <laughs> that's when you're really in trouble, and you got to find out what the customer wants. Oh, yeah. Yep. The whole initiative, the whole initiative that we have to maintain that we 
got to stay away from part numbers. We've got to get people interested in what they're actually quoting and understanding yeah, no. what they're quoting, <laughs> not a part number. Oh, let's get away from that. Right. We've, that's been our mantra for, for ever since we started. A part number to us is irrelevant. What is it? Then there's the old, I need an M6 by two inches long. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we do have that. Yeah. yeah that's, and it stops there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or a, yeah, or a metric, some sort of metric cap screw in um, grade B7. I've said, what is that? <laughs> well, we have seven diff- variations of that. Which one yeah. do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. But, I mean, people, I presume there's a need for that. I would have thought the metric you know, material specs would have you know, been enough to satisfy anything that they you want to build in metrics. But yeah. Yeah, metrics a big part of who we are and what we want to do. So it, it makes sense to round out that line. As evidenced by this ad right on the back of the latest distributor link magazine, don't miss it. Of course everyone knows where to get a hold of Bright and Best International. So George, before we wind this conversation down, we've got to get a few specific training tips from you, including (laughs) what kind of ironclad gloves you're going to be using for your training and what you're advising. Who knows, maybe Brighton will even be kicking in a few pairs for some of the trainers. I don't know. That's just a guess. I don't mean to put you on the hook, but uh, you know, what's the rub? We'll have to we'll have to see. I've I've got to I've got to talk to upper management and see what we can do to see if we can get a couple uh, couple of sets to fall off the back of the truck. But uh, <laughs> I would definitely see the Mach Five. Uh, those are the fingerless gloves that are typically used for framing. But I'll tell you what, they do wonders when uh, you're working with weights. So uh, we'll see. What you know, we can electricians' do. gloves might come in handy too. I've heard. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> They're too bulky and big. You're not going to be able to get through it. Plus, when you get hit with that electrocution, uh, it's going to go through regardless if you have gloves on or not. So, Thanks. But then again, You, you just remember, turned guys, off another whole group of people, okay? Exactly. Remember, <laughs> I'm not supposed to scare people, so you right. can't lead me with those kind of questions. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's a little bit of electricity, really? guess it depends where it hits you. Exactly. True. But no, when we send out the regimen, uh, I think you guys are going to uh, find that it's relatively easy. It's n- We're not asking you to bench 250 pounds and run on a treadmill for three hours. It's more, you know, you know, 50 push-ups, uh, you know, 100 jump ropes and, and, you know, walk on a treadmill. You put together a regimen every other day and you do that for five weeks and have some downtime on the weekend, you'll be fine. You guys will be fine, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. And no pressure to get the tattoo at the end. Am I right? (laughs) No pressure. No pressure at all. (laughs) But something tells me maybe a few of us will be in the chair. I think you're right. I think it's happening. I think it's happening. That's funny. All right. GH3, Brighton Best's own. It's always great to talk to you on the podcast, and we appreciate you being part of our home association, a big part. That's the MWFA. The first ones to ever accept Brian and Eric pretty much anywhere in the fastener industry. <laughs> right. We'll never forget that. <laughs> right. That's true. Well, we love having you, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you having me on today, Eric and Brian. It's It's been a pleasure. Okay, Matty. Well, you get back to worrying about your metrics, okay? Will do. We'll see you out there in the course, man. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back in a minute. It's fully threaded. 
ND Industries has been increasing the safety and reliability of fastener assemblies by developing innovative materials and processes since 1955. Names like ND Patch, Thermalock, Electrolock and Vibratite serve a wide variety of fastening applications across North America and around the world. To see our full line of innovative products or to discuss your application requirements, contact ND Industries today at www.ndindustries.com. This is Jake Davis with BTM Manufacturing, and for over 50 years, we have been a leading manufacturer of bent wire and threaded products, including U-bolts, single and double-end studs, anchor bolts, and many more per-print items. Based in the heart of America, Kansas City, Missouri, BTM supports fully threaded radio because they support our fastener industry. Being a part of FTR is almost as good as a hot cup of industry-favorite U-bolt blend coffee. And if you still don't know how good that is, call BTM Manufacturing today and find out for yourself. BTM Manufacturing. Commitment to service. Quality products, quality service, quality customers. That's 3Q Inc., a fastener distributor unlike any you've worked with before. With its unique remote managed inventory stocking programs, wide array of secondary service offerings, and wholly owned cold forming capability, 3Q Inc. has been supporting fastener distributors since 2008. 3Q offers a wide range of 100% American made fasteners, including ITW SEMS lock washers as well as specialty and imported parts. Give 3Q a call today to discuss your needs and experience 3Q quality. Quality for yourself. 3Q Inc. www.3q-inc.com. Solution Man, Ken. Solution Man, you're my fastener hero. Just doing my job, ma'am. S O L U T I O N S O L U T I O. Solution Industry. We are Solution. Hi, this is Joanne with Star Stainless in Woodville, Illinois. You're listening to Fully Threaded Radio. Back with you folks, Fully Threaded Radio, safe and effective, which seems to be so important to people these days. <laughs> and it's Brian and Eric back with you. Hey, man. I'm glad you made it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm out from under my the piles of crap. Okay. So how did everything go? Were you sort of lonely without me? <laughs> yeah. You caught that, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. So we've developed that theme, I think, pretty well today on the podcast. Also, the plate spinning theme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, I think, what you were involved in there, taking care of some plate spinning, otherwise known as scrubbing in this case. It's good to see all these projects come in. I tell you, people were saving them up for the beginning of the year, I guess. But man, it's a crush of people getting their data ready to go online, huh? Right. Yeah. I guess the plate spinning is really like all the little discs spinning around that's storing all this crap on. Yeah. I didn't think of that metaphor. Well, it's good to have you. Better late than never. And see, folks, I told you Brian would do everything he could to get back into the game. And here he is. Right. And I'll thank the guests on today's podcast as well. And they were George Hunt III with Bright and Best, 
Tim O'Keefe with GL Hewitt joined Mike McNulty on the Fastener News Report today. Thanks so much for turning us on to lonesome Tommy O'Keefe, Tim. (laughs) We're going to play the whole track as we roll the show out today. Great tune. Carmen Vertulo had the Fastener Training Minute. And we kicked everything off with a conversation with Becky McMurrow over there at Worth Industry North America. Remember, folks, there's a new video podcast coming out in the near future called Worth Knowing. Keep your eyes open. I think it's on a YouTube channel. We'll keep you advised on that one. Oh, good title, too. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you pronounce worth with an umlaut and without an umlaut? I've always wondered that. You know, sometimes when you're typing it, you don't have a chance to find that little special character. And you, Is it pronounced differently? I don't know. Yes, it is. Because where the little umlaut goes is where they miss an E out. If they pronounce it's like cologne, Köln is K-O-E-L-N or K-O with two dots L and worth is W-U-E-R-T-H. So that's how you'd spell it in Germany if you didn't have the two dots on your keyboard. Yeah, I've seen that before. But as a matter of simple pronunciation, just for the benefit of the audience and everybody who does business with Worth, and there are a lot of them in the fully threaded <laughs> listening audience, we're now going to pronounce, Brian will pronounce Worth with an umlaut. Please pronounce Worth. Well, I'm not too good at the U thing, okay? I know how you, the, I can tell you the exact difference in an O, okay? So one is Köln, that's without the two dots, and Köln is with the dots. It's a f- slight different sound. And worth would be worth, but then it's like worth. It's sort of closer to how we pronounce it in English, actually. All right. I think we'll just drop this for the moment. Maybe yeah, we'll I get, know. Maybe we'll get the guys <laughs> from Worth Knowing on the podcast. They can explain it to us. Although exactly I don't think that's the real pronunciation, yeah. <laughs> Although I don't think that's actually the kind of material they'll be covering. I think that's more anity left for FTR, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. We had a great lineup of sponsors on the episode today, and we'll reverse roles as we close out. Bry, shoot it out. Yeah, you're right. Now it's my chance to say something. The title sponsors of Fully Threaded Radio are Stillfast, Brighton Best International, and Gerbil Fastness. Stillfast, for service you deserve and people you trust. Brighton Best International, tested, tried, and true. Gerbil Fastness, quality the first time. Also sponsoring Fully Threaded Radio uh, Buckeye Fasteners, BTM Manufacturing, Eurolink Fastener Supply Service, InSQL Software, ND Industries, Parker Fasteners, 3Q Inc., Vault Industrial Plastics, Worth Industry North America, and Solution Industries, home of Solution Man. So despite the fact that I wasn't here to say all that earlier, still be sure that I value having great sponsors, okay, and both Eric and I do. We need them, and the rest of the industry needs them too, because otherwise you wouldn't be getting this great podcast. And nobody would want that. Yeah, right. Let us know what you think, folks. The email address, ftr at fullythreaded.com. And also mentioned earlier, you can go to fullythreaded.com and leave us a voicemail. Who knows what we'll wind up doing with this? It's an experiment. Could be fun. Try it out, fullythreaded.com. We'll see you online in the meantime, everybody, at fastenersclearinghouse.com, the FCH Sourcing Network. Big things are happening there. Keep your eyes peeled. And just before we roll out of here, getting back to GH3, 
and the big Tough Mudder event coming up this summer, Brian, it's really getting yeah. ahead of steam. The list of people that are locked in for the team is growing. We'll have more details on that on episode 162. And I, I just, I'm imagining GQ is beside himself with joy. He's been trying to really <laughs> pull the cork <laughs> off of this one for several years. And here it's, it seems to be materializing. Yeah, well, I would think it's much metaphors a little closer to a, a snowball rolling downhill rather than a head of steam, okay? <laughs> or possibly even a train with no brakes yeah. operating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the runaway train thing. <laughs> right. Well, that folds well into our closing theme today because we've got trains and feeling lonesome, and that's going to take us out of this episode 161 of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And uh, I'm pretty sure both Brian and I will be back next time. You going to be here? Yeah, I don't want you to be lonely. <laughs> Why would we want that? <laughs> right. Well, I know someone who'd rather be lonely. That's Tommy O'Keefe. We'll hear all about that one. <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening, everyone. For Brian Musker, this is Eric Dudas. Get out there, sell some screws. If you're in the mud or start training, and we'll talk to you next time. See you next time, folks. <laughs> I could catch a buzz like a neon sign I could light a marble red I could scuff my boots on a hardwood floor I could dance you out of my head I could drop a pretty penny at the bar Take a dime a dozen home I could drink up an excuse to call you
Fully Threaded Radio is a production of Fastener's Clearinghouse.